sun's out, and shades are in. Get your home summer ready with custom window treatments from Blinds.com. Get a high-end look without the high-end price with the most popular outdoor shades and transform your backyard into the perfect weekend oasis with light-filtering shades that help block UV rays without obstructing your view. Plus, right now, Blinds.com is offering up to 35% off everything, making it a breeze to upgrade any room in your home, indoors and out. With over 25 million blinds sold and 35,000, once again, 35,000 five-star reviews, there's a reason why Blinds.com is the number one online retailer of custom window treatments in the world. Whether you do it yourself or have them handle the install from start to finish, Blinds.com makes ordering custom window treatments online easy with free shipping and a 100% guaranteed perfect fit. Sunshine and barbecues are in the forecast. Upgrade your backyard and window treatments with Blinds.com today and enjoy your new view all summer long. Go to the link in our show notes to shop up to 35% off site-wide. That's the link in our show notes for up to 35% off site-wide. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Mixed Tag. It's your man, the Cowboy, Jared Watson here, and I'm alongside, as always, the Wrestling Encyclopedia and three-time, three-time, three-time Indian Leg Wrestling Champion, Mr. Keith White. Keith, how's it going this week, man? How you feeling? I'm good. Uh, you know, well-rested. Um, you know, feeling like a quality, quality new man right now. Uh, you can't see it right now, but but the, we're working on cleaning out this basement, which you'd be amazed what you can do to a basement in a year of moving into a house. Right, right. And with, with a new baby and everything, man, it, it's getting a little packed down there, so I'm glad you cleaned it out. Yeah, yeah, I need it. it was This is well needed. I'm yeah, very... definitely. It was a good 2021 uh, thing to get started uh, down there at the, at the White Household. But, Keith, we are joined again by a special guest. He's back, noted film critic, creator of the Revival House film series, among many other accomplishments. Rob Rector is back on the show this week. Rob, how's it going, man? Welcome back. Thanks for coming back on with us. Jared, thank you both for having me. I have to say, I feel as good as Keith looks, and I wish this was the other thing. Not only can you not see his basement, but he has such a righteous beard I mean, he looks like a shaman who should be deep in the woods of of Peru right now. I mean, this man, what a what a rocking beard you got there, man. I am I have beard envy. <laughs> he he's been growing that for a while now, Rob. I think you know, Rob and I are more along the stubble lines right at the moment. But uh, <laughs> Keith, keep it growing, man. We want to see how long that thing can get. I told oh. I told Keith, man, if if I tried, I tried it one time, and it looked like someone threw patches of wet hair on my face, and that, <laughs> that's about it. I I can't do it as as well as uh, as Mister White here. So I think I think you and I'll just stick to our stubble lane. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. <laughs> But uh, tag gang, we're glad to have Rob back, of course. Uh, and just like last time, we're going to be going over a, a film career of a you know a professional wrestler. Last week or the last time he was on here, we did The Rock. This time, we're going to do the one and only John Cena. Now, Cena is a 16-time 
WWE World Champion, a no doubt first ballot Hall of Famer uh, whenever he retires. But he has also had a very strong and successful acting career outside the ring, and he's only getting started. Now, we're going to do it a little bit different uh, from last time. You know, last time we gave three hits and three misses of The Rock. This time we're going to kind of go over the career arc of John Cena. Rob and Keith are going to guide us through, and we're all going to give our opinions and, and talk a little bit about it as we go. Um, Rob, you are the film critic. You're the guest. I want you to kind of lead us and and, and kick us off here on Mixed Tag with the film career of John Cena. So why don't you get us started? Yeah, sure, sure. So, so you know, one of the smartest moves that uh, WWE ever did was you know kind of branch out their division because I mean, you know, switching from WWF to WWE meant that uh, you know they were entertainment now so they could consider themselves you know kind of a, almost a media company um and they opened up wwe films which allowed them to further showcase some of their some of their uh, most notable stars and give them another platform in which to shine so um it was an obvious place for someone like cena's ability because you know he's just got a very very natural uh, appeal to him when he's on the screen and he starred early on in 2006 in um in a pretty perfunctory but uh but not not bad uh wwe uh thriller called the marine um which it, when it opened up it didn't make much of a splash at the theaters uh made you know about seven million but then once it hit uh home release and rentals that's when it started to, to crank in the cash and uh, and that kind of solidified his his future in film from that point. Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, he had the best uh, cast member name, you know, John Triton. Right. Does that does that not sound like Vince McMahon came up with that? Like that is just <laughs> that is straight straight out of the out of the WWE right there. John Triton. What's interesting about this movie too, Rob, um, and and this is one of those ones. You know, we we talked about Walking Tall right last time with the Rock. Yeah. Uh, I don't ever see the Marine on TV, but but you know when it was, I'd be like, yeah, let me go ahead and click on it. And part of that is because of Robert Patrick hamming it up. As the villain, Robert Patrick, uh, Mr. is a, T2. Yes, yeah, right. The, the T2000, <laughs> you know, un, un, underrated character actor, you know, in, in films. Uh, but yeah, I mean, th this is one of those situations John Cena gets to be, you know, the, the beefed up action hero. Uh, you know, he gets, he gets to play it, you know, very straight laced in his, in his character, intense. It, it's, it's a great entry point for film, I think, for him. I, I, you know, like you said, you know, it, it works. It, the plot, the, the plot is basic. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's an action movie in, in its most simplistic form and it just works for him. It, it's, they're not, they're not doing anything crazy. They're not going outside the box. They're playing it safe as they should have as a, as a fledgling studio at the time. Yeah. So it's equivalent you know, to like a raw deal from Schwarzenegger back in the day. You know, I mean, it's one of those that you, you don't, remember but it it was it was solid enough and it was you know just uh it, it served its purpose and it it does exactly what it was designed to do and that's you know turn the spotlight onto its star which is what it did 
Yeah, and really, really quickly for the tagging out there, if you haven't watched the Marine series, uh, there are six, I believe, Marine Jeez. movies. The first was for from John Cena, of course. The second, and Keith, he probably knows this because he's a wrestling encyclopedia for a reason. Ted DiBiase was yeah. the star in that movie. And then from movies three through six, Mike Mazanin, The Miz, has taken over the role, and he's had the most out of any of them. So uh, if you want to go watch that, you know, movie series, got three pretty cool WWE superstars, you know, in the main roles there. Yeah, that's right. And and the Ted DiBiase one is interesting because he's not even in the company. Like, he has nothing to do with the company anymore. He was he was the flop, if you want to call it that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And then, you know, The Miz, he's been in the acting scene lately too. Maybe we'll get to him a little later on. But uh, uh, Rob, keep us going on this uh, on this John Cena film career arc here. Yeah, sure. So, um, again, I think, you know, it should be noted that WWE Studios was it was a relatively new startup. I mean, it had been around since about like 2001, 2002. Um, so it was one of their earlier films. I'm sure they didn't have a, a ton of, uh, you know, didn't have a, a ton stashed away budgetarily. So it was, um, it, you know, it it was perfect for for just small roles just like that. And, and he also continued his his affiliation with WWE films with 12 rounds immediately after that 12 rounds is where he really starts to to come into to character uh, and show a little bit more of a, a of a well-rounded um, ability I think and like we said before with walking tall it's one of those films that I think it's a lot it's far better then you might remember it if you if you caught it. Now, not a lot of people did. It kind of came and went um, right after that. But it had a really solid action director. The director was Rennie Harlan. And if you're not familiar with his name, he's done things like he did the sequel to Die Hard. He's done Cliffhanger, one of Stallone's better films. One of my favorite overlooked films, Long Kiss Goodnight with Samuel Jackson um, and another Samuel Jackson films, Deep Blue Sea. So I think, you know, if you get a chance to catch this one, it's uh, it's well worth it because I do think that was one is overlooked and he does a great job in this. Yeah, I liked the uh, the revenge game factor of this film, by mm-hmm. the way, you know, Um this is back before this was overdone also. Like I'll say that, like, you know, the, the idea of let's play a game, you know? And so, you know, they, they he, he basically gets these series of, uh, you know, uh, you know, things he has to outwit or outlast. And um, yeah, it, it was, it was neat. And I, I appreciated the plot and I appreciated the fact that they didn't just go right back to the well of, um, you know, of the Marine. And, and we mentioned this last time with the rock as well. Um, this, this kind of reminds me of, I think it, what was it? The third Die Hard movie in a way, like, uh, you know, exactly all, with a vengeance. Totally. All, all roads lead to Die Hard when it comes Absolutely. To, to action movies. Um, you know, yeah, but you're, but Rob, you're correct. Like this is where you start to see little wrinkles uh, for Cena as a, as an actor where you're, you're thinking to yourself, okay, he's not, he's not nearly as one dimensional as you thought he might be. Yeah. He's not just you know, a meathead out there. Right. And that, that's what cracks me up about these guys, too. You know, just as a, as a quick side note, you know, most actors go to acting school and, and work on their craft for years. And these guys possess a natural ability that they have to hone quickly 
in order to not make themselves look like fools on screen. I mean, imagine the pressure, right? Just think about the idea of you, you have this movie and you have to at least be somewhat competent of an actor to, to pull this off. Yes, it is action, but we can't sit there and, and say that, you know, that there's any genre of film where you, uh, besides maybe being a zombie, you know, that you, that you, you can just pull off quickly. We have to give him a lot of credit where credit is due to he, at this point, he's putting WWE studios on his back. So that's an, okay. an added amount of pressure. So I just, I just thought we should, we should mention it's pretty impressive when you have guys like the rock and now John Cena that have to, um, that have to work on the fly on a brand new skill and a brand new skill set. Yeah. And you know, Keith, we're getting a theme here. Uh, 12 rounds has three movies. First one in 09 with Cena. 2013 came 12 rounds, two reloaded. Randy <laughs> Orton made his acting debut uh, in that in that uh, second film. And, and then 12 rounds, three lockdown in 2015 starred John Moxley, formerly known as Dean Ambrose in WWE. So we're seeing a little bit of a theme here in these early uh, Cena films. Where do we find where, where do you find these movies? Is there some streaming service like that? <laughs> Well, any movie that sounds like it's a math problem to understand, it's like, why didn't you call it 13 rounds or 14 rounds? It just, then they start to sound like it's an equation. It's like pi, the sequel, plus five. You know, I'm like, no, no, I, I, just stick it, stick it to me easy. Yeah, I, I, I failed trigonometry. Leave me alone. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Uh, All right. So still really solid. I mean, I just yeah. think it was it was definitely one that, again, it, it'd be plenty at home on TNT and and you'd be comfortable and you'd always be engaged watching it from start to finish. Right. And that was a three year gap between the Marine and 12 rounds, too. So Cena is still kind of early in his career here with with acting. So, Rob, keep us keep us going here. So I have uh, the reunion, which uh, again is another WWE film, but this is more of a tender family drama. Um, and uh, I get what they're trying to do because he does have this kind of wholesome, you know, every man, every, if every man was jacked to the hilt, but I mean, every man quality about him. And this was this you know kind of underdog story there, but this one didn't connect with anybody really. And it was, you know, it, it got, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about legendary, the reunion, the reunion is a little bit more of an action thriller. Also WWE films with Amy smart and Ethan Embry. And that one was, it was really bad. Um, I don't know if either of you have caught that before. Um, but it was, it, again, it was fledgling WWE studio still wasn't really start trying to get its foothold. And it just felt all over the place, despite the good actors that they had in place there. Are you, are you talking about uh, the reunion now? The reunion. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I, the reunion, I was, I was tempted when it was on Netflix, like early on, like, you know, yeah. it was, it was sitting in my queue. I never actually, yeah. um, never actually pulled the trigger. It, that's, you said Ethan Embry and Amy smart, right? Like, yeah. You know, you're yeah. talking about that's, that's unfortunately late nineties, early two thousands. Uh, now, now they're considered, uh, you know, casualties of that right. time. And, and it's a shame because they do uh, – both of those can can hold their own in movies. Uh, but you had mentioned Legendary. We might as well go there real quick yep. because um, you've got you've got Danny Glover. You've got you know Patricia Clarkson. Uh, you've got John Cena playing an older brother 
uh, to a kid who's being bullied and decides he wants to join the high school wrestling team. Yeah. And, and so this, this has family drama written all over it. Um, and this one also, by the way, had a budget of um, $5 million. Does anybody want to take a stab at what it made in the box office? Uh, three. <laughs> I was saying around the three mark. I'm going to say probably two and a half. $200,000, 393 cents. Wow. Yeah. It was a, it yeah. was a bomb in every single way imaginable. Um, and you know, it, it's, it's, it's at this point, you're considering this to be his, his first true flop. Um, you know, because, because the other, um, because the reunion was released on, on direct video, it was supposed to be, it was, it was sent there on purpose, you know, legendary was supposed to hopefully give a new wrinkle to the studio. Um, and it didn't do so well, yeah. Rob, like, what do you, cause you're looking at that on paper, you're looking at the cash, you're looking at the premise, you're thinking that this could probably, you know, probably, probably produce some tears in the theater for the right reasons. What made it a flop? Uh, it, it, everything about it looked like it was your standard lifetime film. I mean, it, there was just nothing that set it apart and let's face it. I mean, Cena at this point can anchor a film like the Marine or 12 rounds where we want to see him action. Do we want to see John Cena cry? Do we want to see him? I mean, we're not at that point yet in his career where we want to see his, you know, his dramatic range. We still want to see him as an action hero. And I think that was, that was the first big mistake on it. Yeah. And it was way over the top. I mean, it was, it's one thing fighting the fighting with my family, which came later and also started the rock. That was fantastic. Another uh, family themed wrestling film, but man, that was just really well done. This one just, it was so paint by numbers. It was everything that, that you would expect to take place did. And sometimes it, when it didn't, you were like, Oh, thank goodness. But something even schmaltzier would come on. Yeah. And, and, um, shot wise, like the way that they shot the film, I don't know if this is going to make any sense to you, but I felt like they shot this almost like a alternate version of remember the Titans. I don't yeah. know if that makes sense at all. Like, but, but I, I'm just watching this and I'm like, okay, well, like you said, maybe it was because it was so paint by numbers. I'm watching them basically steal tropes from other films. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, that, that's what I caught with that. Um, and then, uh, Jared, do you have anything else to say about Legendary? Because if you don't, I want to ask you a question. No, I, do, I don't, but I want to I point something out uh, from the same year in 2010. But go ahead and ask, Keith. Well, maybe maybe this is actually going to segue to you. Uh, did you watch Fred on That's Nickelodeon? That's exactly what I was going to talk about, Keith. I'm <laughs> glad you said that. That is my childhood right there. I was 10 years old when that movie came out, and that's where Cena started to get that funny uh, comedic role in movies. He was uh, Fred's what imaginary dad, yep. I think. Yeah, right? imaginary dad. Yep. Cool <laughs> dad. Yep. And so, reprised that for three of the films too. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you know, you're right. This is the time that we're seeing him as as the comedic actor. Um, that that TV show and movie was was in my household when I, you know, later became, uh, you know, a, a dad of a house, and I just I I didn't understand it. Um, I you know like it just. You know, went over my adult head, I guess, but I can because because Fred's an odd character, but um, but I, I love the fact that like at the time you're right, we're starting to see his comedic chops, 
Um, and then does that coincide? Wasn't he, didn't he host Saturday night live around this time? I can't remember. Um, yeah. Uh, two, I think he, his first one was 2009. Nine. Yeah. Okay. So, so this, yeah. so he's, he's, he had a taste the year before with a little comedy. So, um, but you're right. Now we're starting to see like his, his sillier side and, and, uh, and Rob, you wouldn't necessarily know this, but Jared would like on, on TV with the WWE, this is when we're really starting to see his sillier side. They kind of transitioned, uh, they called the PG era, mm-hmm. um, where, where they stopped being, they stopped having, you know, like a lot of cursing go on, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause they had become a publicly traded company and Lyndon McMahon was running for uh public office. And so Cena started becoming instead of this, you know, really intense competitor or this battle rapper who was doing all kinds of not suitable for TV double entendres. Now he's, you know, anti-bully and, but, but what's worse though is now he's trying to make, uh, you know, like poopy jokes and, and it fell flat for us as fans, but you understood where they were going with that, if that makes sense. Yep. And, and so, (laughs) and that explains his, you know, the, the future. And we'll talk about, I'm sure some of the films, but just some of his appearances, Jared said it, you know, prior to coming on the stage or coming on to, to record of, of a lot of his, more cartoony work with Scooby-Doo and uh, the Flintstones, you know, I mean, it was, uh, they wanted obviously to just like the tooth fairy, we wanted to make sure that he was marketed to a very wide audience that would grow up knowing his name. Yeah. And it's interesting because the reunion was 2011, right? Uh, Fred was 2010. And then it, it takes him, it's, it's four years before he has another live action film. So there, that's a, that's a gap. Um, mm-hmm. He has Scooby-Doo WrestleMania mystery, which also used to be played, played in my house. So I, I, I was familiar with that one as well. Um, you know, so he's, he's got his Scooby-Doo movies, his Flintstones in 2015. And I figure we might as well talk about this. Uh, Cause 2015 train wreck. Yeah. yeah. This is where train- he had a, you know, a trifecta really of, of big roles, during this uh, during this stage in 2015, and Trainwreck was his first big uh, coming out party as far as as hitting that mainstream vibe. You know, the WWE stuff it, it did well enough, but it was mainly mainly video is where people caught most of those. But when he did Trainwreck, um, and he played the the boyfriend of oh god, what's her name? Uh, Amy, Amy Amy Schumer. Uh, Amy Schumer. Amy Schumer. Um, and and showed that you know he kind of mocked his own uh, his own size and you know was hushed in a movie theater and he said look everyone's to pick on the big guy why do you put me in these situations you know he he laughed at himself and he really exercised some really you know sharp comedic chops on this and mm-hmm. that was his kind of his big rollout to those who hadn't followed him from wrestling. Yeah, and I what cracked me up about this movie too, like you're, you know, because Amy Amy Schumer is is sharp and biting in her delivery and just in general, and so you're 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 in this comedic ensemble holding your own, and and he showed us in this movie, and and he's done it in other movies since, but uh, but we haven't even seen it I think fully, but he could easily play, thanks to this movie, seeing what he did, he could easily play like this. Yeah, I yeah, I work out, but I'm like the nerdiest 
goofiest <laughs> dad on the block and I have like zero self-confidence, you know, like, Bingo. you know, and, and, and we'll talk later. Cause that, that comes into play a little bit down the line. Sure um, but, but he, but he still hasn't hit that stride. That's the funny thing is we still haven't seen that out of him yet. Like at his apex. Yeah. Keith, we're getting there. I mean, we're moving closer to where we know him at now. And this, this movie, Rob got 84% on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, that that's pretty good. Is it not? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it did, it did well at the box office. Um, you know, it was, it was done by a, 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 the whole group of them both behind and in front of were kind of at their apex. You had Judd Apatow who was, you know, 40 year old virgin. And I mean, he was, he was knocked up and, um, a, you know, Amy Schumer who had her own, uh, successful series on comedy channel, Bill Hader, who was huge on Saturday Night Live. So you're surrounded by all these comedic heavyweights and he held his own. So that was, that was saying something. Yeah. And this is also a profitable film for him. Uh, they, it's a $35 million budget made 140 million. So, you know, they, they made some money on this and, and at the, at the time, especially this is still, that's still good money. I mean, now with the pandemic, that'd be huge money in the theaters. Right. Right. That's more than Wonder Woman. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, guys, it's, it's really quick. I want to mention this, uh, 2015, uh, saw Cena playing some more supporting roles. He wasn't the main star in a lot of these films that he had in this year. And that's when he's really starting to make his name known in the industry. He wasn't the main guy. You know, he was the, one of those supporting roles. Right. And that was smart. Uh, I think that's a smart tactic to do is just do these little one-off bits where you can kind of steal the show, where you can be, you know, the shaggy to the Scooby-Doo gang and get those good one-liners in and then exit because that's that's what really starts to to resonate with people. When you're Stifler, you know, Stifler had most of the the big scenes in American Pie in the early one, but no one wants to see a movie directly with Stifler. So he was really really smart in his uh his taking these these comedic roles in Trainwreck and what we're going to be talking about. And one of them uh that year was uh was Sisters, right? Tina Fey, Amy yes. Poehler? Yes. Yeah. Um you want to get into that one briefly, or did you see that one? No, we can, we can, it's okay to skip. It's, I'm good. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, good because I think you should skip it in, in every way, shape, or form. All you need to do is <laughs> go, on, go on YouTube and watch, watch Cena's role in that. Uh, and he's got maybe, I don't know, maybe a total of 10 minutes in that movie. Um, but he plays Pizzazzo, which is like, he's like this big neck tatted. Uh, drug dealer and he are we allowed to, to curse on this i'm not sure is it uh, you sure know. you sure can i mean he was you know he was rattling off just go watch him rattle off the drugs that he brought to amy poehler and tina Fey's party and he's like i got molly i got her sister sandra i got big frank i got a, a one from kenya i got drugs from kenya that's uh, supposed to be for gorillas but uh it just makes you violently masturbate it's got you know he's rattling off <laughs> All of these just illegal drugs that he brought to this party. And man, he is hysterical. And then he's also, he ends it with, oh, and I also have Flintstones chewables. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was, it's, it's that alone was the, the sole reason to watch Sisters. Otherwise, skip it. All right. So we got a skip there from our film critic, Rob Rector. Uh, Rob, we skipped over Sisters. So what's, what's up next for Cena? 
So we're still in 2015 if we, you know, if we want to go sequentially here, um, because he had another small role in Daddy's Home with uh, with um, Mark Wahlberg, who ironically he was mocked as being called in in um, Trainwreck. Um, he's like, I look like if Mark Wahlberg ate Mark Wahlberg. So. Uh, <laughs> Having having him with Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell in Daddy's Home, another one that was a that was a big hit at the box office too. So, again, further solidifying his name, especially with comedy. So those those combined made 2015 a really big year because it showed he's meant for more than just the Marine and Twelve Rounds and things of an action nature. What's interesting about that movie is I did not see that until this year like the pan like sometimes like there are movies were like oh you know you got to see so and so I, I don't get to see movies very much so i'm like the anti-rob rector like uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm happy to get to see movies when i can so i'm watching it for the first time and of course you know the very end you know uh all of a sudden you know guy pulls up and uh and it's and it's john cena and all of a sudden now mark Wahlberg is going to be the the you know the the bullied yeah. character right, and, right. And, I, and i'm like oh i was like this is gonna set up the sequel so nice you know so like i, I was genuinely surprised to see him at the end yeah yeah it was uh that was uh it was a great little cameo and then um that led right into uh you know just a voiceover role in in surfs up too which is a directive video surfs up but um yep. 2017 yep. <laughs> go ahead go ahead i said i said skip yeah 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 he yeah. won that another wwe film because it was wave mania i think surfs up to wave mania uh, yeah yeah yes yeah no, no live action film until the following year in 2017 so rob tell us about that um well there's a couple of them actually um and really he did he did a a bit piece in the wall which was a um american war thriller and the director doug lyman is just such a great director and it's actually he's not the star of this and it sounds as though and looks as though it's going to be this you know this war thriller and it is a thriller but it's a one person really a one person um film uh, about a, a, a soldiers who are who are trapped by iraqi sniper and it's very personal. It's very intimate. It's not, um, it's not wall to wall action, um, in the, in the logical sense. Um, it's more about the interpersonal, you know, what decisions do we make and, and what's going on in their mind. Um, really good. I think a lot of people thought they were getting a different film altogether, which I can understand, but it, it is worth, worth checking out. If, uh, if you get a chance to see it, that was done by Amazon, uh, studios, pick that one up. Um, and then in 2017, he did the Daddy's Home sequel, which the less said about that one, the better. I wanted to, though, because that was his first big one. And I think this is one that was overlooked was Ferdinand, um, where that was his first really headlining of a cartoon that wasn't, uh, you know, a pre-established name like Scooby-Doo or Flintstones. It was taken from a 1930s book. Uh, Blue Sky Studios, the 20th century, the ones that did Ice Age, did that one too. And re I just think it was a really sweet anti-bullying message to it. He did a fantastic job. I, and Keith, you mentioned earlier about, about 
you know, the, the role of being an actor, I think the role of being a voice actor is even probably more difficult because you can't use your body to help bring home your points, right? bring home your messages. So you've got to train your voice to be able to, to convey everything that you want to say. And that is really, really difficult. So and I think this one kind of got overshadowed because it was the same year as Coco. And I think Coco just kind of, you know, took, took precedent over this one, but it is a really, really sweet film. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, really, oh, I'm sorry, Keith, but I'm going to point this out real quick about Ferdinand. Uh, box office gross in the USA, 84.2 million. Um, yeah. not, not too bad, especially like you said, Rob, with Coco and other big films coming out that year. But uh, Keith, go ahead. I was just going to add on to that. I mean, and you mentioned the idea of, you know, what you have to do as a voice actor. And keep in mind also, you're not even seeing, you're not even seeing the film yet. You don't know what Ferdinand is doing. Like, you, you know, you're, you're going off the script. At this point, at best, they're going to have what they're going to have maybe some some um some stills for you maybe maybe some concept art like they're not going to have anything really ready for you to see what you're supposed to do so you literally are just reading a script and getting an idea in your mind and then you have to go ahead and go with that um and i feel you know i feel bad for ferdinand too i feel it also happened like there's been these good movies good animated films like do you ever see the movie sing um yeah yeah absolutely what a great film and and they get overshadowed because they come out like you said they come out at the wrong time right they come out with the the wrong time with the wrong Disney film or the other wrong animated film that that's a blockbuster and and they get overshadowed it's the shame about animated films is I feel like there's only room for one every year yeah yeah it seems like people the audiences take one and they just kind of run with it and the other ones kind of get relevated to the dustbin and and you have ones like this that just you know that that are really solid good films but uh, you know they'll. That a lot of parents will just wait and say, "Oh, we'll just watch it when it's on video at home." Yeah, yep. I think that's what a lot of people do, especially you know now with this pandemic and everything. But uh, yeah. yeah, all right, uh, Rob. We're coming into 2018 now. Um, mm. we're getting into, I believe, a movie called Blockers. Is that is that where we're going with this? Yeah, we have two of them in 2018. The this I think, as far as as far as I'm concerned, this was his most solid year yet at the box office. Blockers was this this wonderfully raunchy adult teen sex comedy, if that makes sense. But much like American Pie, um, but it focused more on the adults who's so imagine if it was all about, you know, Stifler's parents and, and all their other parents who are worried about their kids as opposed to the kids themselves and and how utterly clueless they were about their their child's uh, activities uh, after school. And it was it was like I said, it was raunchy. It was fun. In fact, it was originally blockers. If you ever look at the original uh, poster art for this, there was actually a picture of a rooster and then blockers. Afterwards, that's what it was supposed to be, because, as you know, the old the old uh, uh, euphemism, the cock blockers, that's what it was supposed to be. And they just put a rooster instead and then blockers afterwards. So it just got to be known as blockers. But I think that actually did damage because people had no idea what the hell blockers sounds like. It could almost be like either a, a live action Tetris game or I don't know, uh, you know, some some kind of you know murder mystery or something. It just didn't you know, it, odd title. 
or or life on an offensive line, you know, which is everyone's yeah, favorite yeah, football exactly. position. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, but yeah, and this is this is no. I was just going to say he was phenomenal in it. But go ahead, Keith. Yeah, it's it also. Um, it, you're right because you know because they weren't going to be able to get away with calling it cock blockers because then you're going to have yeah. you know little little Jimmy who's watching the NFL game on you know wild, wild card weekend being like, "Mommy, what's cock blockers?" You know, <laughs> like you don't need that. Um, it's kind of it's the same thing about uh what was it Zach and Miro Zach and Mary make a porno you know where they ended up taking away part of the title due to controversy so it's right. it's the same situation right. um this is another one that i saw this year by the way and had not seen it before so oh. um I, I really enjoyed i really enjoyed cena with uh with his <laughs> low his low confidence level and and like i like i said before like he's the the ultimate suburban bumbling dad uh you know he he he, he works out but in, in a way, I mean, w- would you guys agree? Like, he didn't come across as intimidating in this film. Like, he wasn't, you know, he 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 wasn't it's earnest. To be, yeah, um, you know, I, he, he. I had a friend in college named John, uh, who was a gigantic workout head. But John was also like the biggest smiling, goofy guy. Like, couldn't put his arms down because he was so jacked. Um, but at the same time, like he he made no one afraid of him you know because it, although he could have crushed all of us um uh jared he looked like miro he looked like rusev like legit like just even like looked like him like physically features and facial too but he he did not he could not hurt a fly and this is kind of what what he reminds me of like in this film except for the fact of obviously as a dad you know we all get that that dad mode eventually where we're like all right that's enough that's my child yeah yep <laughs> Yeah. And you could tell, I mean, you had mentioned it earlier on about the the vulnerability that he had here and or had it in, in his roles. And this is where it truly, truly comes into play. Like you could see him endlessly trying to go, you know, trying to to connect with Leslie Mann's character in this, the mom and 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 failing miserably and and not understanding, you know, simple simple uh teen speak at the time where uh you know one of the lines was um we're gonna get lit af and he's like well the, yeah they're gonna get look at african literature you know he has just no clue whatsoever and is just so earnest in it too it's it's sweet but it's it's raunchy fun and it was probably one of his best roles to date yeah i i agree with you there rob um but Let's go to a another movie from that year because I mean this could have been, and you know in my opinion, really was the the best movie of 2018 in Bumblebee in the Transformers series. Rob, so guide us through that really quick. The best Transformers film because Michael Bay did not direct it. Um, it was uh, it was. It was old fashioned. It was made. It came out in 2018, like you said, Jared, but it felt like it could have come out of like the middle of the 80s because it had that Explorers vibe to it, that E.T. vibe to it. And it was just perfect. It was really well done. Uh, There was a consistent storyline that you could follow along the way. It was earnest. It was sweet, but it was action packed. And uh, it sadly got overlooked because it opened up the same weekend that uh, talking about uh, John uh, Triton, uh, it, he got beaten by a trident with uh, with 
Aquaman that opened up that very same weekend. And I think there just wasn't enough room in for both muscles of uh, Jason Momoa and uh, John Cena at the box office that, that week. And that's interesting too, because if you watch both those movies where Aquaman's not a bad film necessarily, uh, I tend to enjoy Bumblebee just as, as a whole better. Yeah. Well, I it's mean, certainly a better made film. I think I think Aquaman was good because we had such low expectations after the other crap that DC had been putting out. So it was a it was a fun surprise, but it was definitely on the cheesy side. Whereas Bumblebee was was really honestly, you know, there was there was real um, uh, passion and emotion in it, and it it followed more of a of a standard storyline. Well, standards you can get with this you know, 8,000, 8,000 ton metal machine. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I just, I, I felt like that one, that one definitely from a story perspective was so much better made than, than Aquaman, even though I'm not dismissing Aquaman, but it just got, it got lost in its shadow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think we all can agree on that. And that leads us into 2019 and Cena had one film in that year. Uh, and I went to go see it in the theater. It was called Playing with Fire. And he went from, you know, Bumblebee being action-packed, exciting, going to more of that comedic role again, Rob. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm curious as to to what you thought about that one, Jerry. You know, I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. I mean, you had these stars in it, you know, seen as the main character, uh, the main firefighter in the movie. You have Judy Greer, Keegan Michael Key, Dennis Haysbert, all these, you know, stars. Uh, and the audience seemed to like it about 77% uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, but the, the critics didn't agree. Uh, Rob, what do you, what do you think about this movie? Cause I, th- I thought it was okay. I thought it was, yes, you, you hit the nail on the head. It was okay. It was uh tooth fairy 3.0. Um, <laughs> it was, you know, the, it, you have all these three, you have Keegan-Michael Key, who's supposed to be looking like, you know, he's right up there with with John Cena and no one can look like John Cena when he's in a picture, you know, but uh, it, it's and then you have all these little cutesy kids around him, too. And it was it was kindergarten cop. It was, you know, you have the clueless adults who overtake these hyperactive children and they're trying to maintain it the best way they know how and fail miserably. It was it was a cute little family film, but but certainly nothing more than that. Yeah. And Keith, I don't, did you see this movie? And, and if not, I mean, you know, you have two kids in your household now. Do you think you would watch this with them? You think? I got to be really honest, man. When I saw the trailers, <laughs> I was, I couldn't have gotten farther away from the idea of even liking that movie. I'm incredibly biased when I say that, like I just, from the trailers, I was like, this looks stupid. And I just yep. washed my hands of it. And, and, uh, <laughs> I'm, I, I don't, I don't think I'll, I mean, you're not going to regret that decision. Yeah. Let's put it that right. Way. Like, and especially cause my time, you know, my time with movies is, you know, like I said, it's rare. So, and I know I'm barry to watch a whole mess of movies that I probably don't want to see, but when I can actually get young Nathan to watch movies that I want him to watch, I'm going to yeah. choose different, different films. Yeah. So smart choice. Yeah. You're not going to have some, some empty chasm in your soul because you've skipped playing with fire. I promise you. Exactly. But guys, we're heading towards the finish line. Uh, 2020, what a crazy year for all of us. Uh, but, uh, there was one, 
actually two was it two movies rob or is it one i want uh, just one the other has not been released it was it's been on a uh it's been on hiatus and uh i i don't i think maybe it was released overseas but i it hasn't been released stateside okay so the, the one we're going to be talking about here uh do little you know bring back dr do little here and uh robert downey jr of course starred in this film uh Rob and Cena kind of took that supporting role again. Yeah, he was a voice of a polar bear on this one. And and <laughs> if you can't tell by my lack of enthusiasm, it was fine. I didn't hate it as much as most of the critics did. Uh, you know, it was Robert Downey Jr.'s first big follow up from his uh, Iron Man retirement. And apparently it w- went back for hefty, hefty re-edits like several times. Um, and uh, it, I think it grossed pretty well and made a lot of bottom, bottom 10 lists for the year. Had a ton of great uh, names as the voices of all these live action or these kind of live action animated um, uh, characters in Doolittle. But yeah, it was uh, uh, it was like playing with fire, but with a bigger budget. Yeah, um, kind of. We're getting towards the not not as good. I mean, he had that big blockbuster in 2018 with Bumblebee, and then after that, it's just kind of been going yeah. downhill. I think this one, this one just didn't seem like he had. I mean, I'm not putting any blame on it for this one because if you look at some of the names of the other actors that lent their voice to it. I mean, you know, you've got a, a Antonio Banderas, you've got um, got Michael Sheen, Octavia Spencer, Ralph Fine. I mean, all these huge names in in those roles. So it really this one had I don't I don't put any fault on his broad shoulders on this one. This was a this one had far bigger problems to uh on its hands than than from just a, a voice from John Cena. But and Jared, I gotta tell you too, man, I know you just said, you know, he kind of went downhill after the two blockbusters in 2018, but 2021, he's got he's got two on deck that are gonna probably dwarf 2018, man. Uh that's a pretty big uh, statement there because 2018 might have been a career year with film for John Cena's well, it's great. Well on paper with, with the two films that are about ready to come out. Um, and let's just go ahead and jump. Cause these are both in post-production right now, but, uh, but F nine, the latest installment in the fast and furious series, he is joining uh, what is already an overcrowded amount of muscle. Uh, how they're going to be able to even fit more characters in this one. Why, why is there such thing as wide, wide screen? Like, right, right, exactly. Wrap around cinema vision. It's going to be, it's there's a film in IMAX. That's what they, it's, yeah, you know, yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. So he's, you know, and he's playing Jacob Toretto. So he, he is somehow in the Toretto family, which I'm going to be really interested to see how they pull that off. Um, I'm really hoping that it's like an adopted relative. Cause I'm a little scared about the idea of, uh, I don't want them to, to, to whitewash him somehow. And you know what I mean? Like deep like, fake it like they did with Paul Walker at the end of, uh, of yeah. Uh, seven. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I just, 
you know, however he's going to be related to them. Great. Um, you know, but it'll be interesting to see because I think and, – and we've talked about that, right, with the, with the Rock films. This movie will make money. Yep. That the, the fan base will not allow it to do anything else but make money. And people just in general are so starved for new content that this film will make money. And I think we can all bank on that. Um, I, I don't know his what his character, you know, is going to be. You know, I mean, you look at him and, and you would expect him to be – almost in the character of the rock, you know, like the, the, right. the, the, the federal agent tracking these guys down. Um, so does, does anybody, do you, do we have any scoop on what he's going to do in this film? Yes, he is actually, he happens just so happens to be, a, a an assassin, a master thief and a, uh, high performance, uh, car racer as well. Just, you know, I guess the apple didn't fall too far from the tree in the, uh, Toretto household, but, uh, you know, they get these get wilder and crazier and just certainly defy every sort of natural laws that we have. But I love them all for it, man. I yeah, mean, we, we've gotten better. We do. Yeah, we enjoy them. And and it's so funny how they they did start from the idea of, you know, this is street. This is street racing and this is the culture of street racing mixed with a mixed with a little bit of illegal activity. And then it became. Now we're going to international espionage. Yeah, we're going to jump this car through a helicopter <laughs> onto a glacier and see. So, I- so it's funny over over Christmas break, my my kids and I and and like so my wife and my daughter have been watching franchise pictures together, and my son and I have been, and they were like, okay, we're going to watch Hunger Games. Well, you know, my son and I started to watch the Die Hard films, and. You know, we did Lord of the Rings while they did Harry Potter. And and then I was like, you know, let's do let's do the Fast and Furious. I said, but let's start with five and just work our way up from there. Because really, I mean, the first one was was decent. It hasn't aged well at all. But the the cool thing about this one is I am excited is that uh, Justin Lin uh, is the director um, who uh, who returns from this. And he did um, he did the first i think the first one um but he also did the you know tokyo drift and fast and furious the fourth one so i mean he's familiar with the turf he knows what he's doing and uh i'm just hoping that uh you know that they all come out there and then there is enough room to get him in there as well as alongside of helen mirren you know <laughs> hey, rob rob before we go to this final movie because we got to get towards wrapping up the show are i have to know are you teaching your kids to be as critically minded as you are when it comes to films are they starting to point things out to you that you know that you would look at in movies jared that is so funny you mentioned that because we just the other night watched greenland which i Greenland, which I highly recommend you guys both seeing with Gerard Butler. Um, it's another end of the world one, but it's it's different than than it's no it's no uh, geostorm. Let's put it that way. Um, really, really great film. But you know they were setting down an uh, an object, and and my son's like, oh, that's going to be used later, or else they wouldn't show that. You know, and it was the whole check off the gun theory. Like if you see a gun in the first act, it's going to go off by the third act. And I, I, I guess just because of my incessant 
whining about films that they've somehow picked this up through osmosis. So I don't teach them that, but they have certainly learned some of my some of my habits of of film watching. Definitely. Well, that that's amazing. That's pretty cool how they can pick stuff out like that. Um, yeah. But, uh, we're gonna wrap the show up with this final upcoming film for 2021. Uh, pretty excited about this one, uh, Rob. Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. Although this one, uh, this one's the Suicide Squad, if I'm not mistaken, right? Correct. Um, right. Distinguish. It's not a reboot. It's not Halloween. It's Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) You know. (laughs) So yeah, unlike unlike F9, I think F9, the Fast and Furious one, has been wrapped since last summer because it was supposed to be on next last summer. But this one is is. Still, I think they've still got some shots left to to fill in this one, but it's uh, I was not a fan of of Suicide Squad, the first one. Um, this one, though, uh, I I cannot wait. James Gunn is the director of it, and um, you know if if anyone's even seen any of his films from Slither way back in the day to Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, you know, this guy knows comics. He's he's done. He's produced the Avenger films, the last two Avenger films, Infinity War and Endgame. Um, and he just he knows his comics and he is uh, he's an exciting film director. And I'm I'm very, very stoked of the cast that he's assembled for this. And that will lead off to uh, to hopefully a standalone feature for Cena um, as uh, the peacemaker. Um, so um, that's, uh, I think, I think when Keith said 20, 2021 could be big or bigger than 18, I think this, this could be what launches him into the stratosphere. Yeah. And I, I and R- Jared, if you don't know yet, Rob and I are huge nerds and, um, <laughs> and uh, tagging. Did you all know that? I didn't know that. Yeah. This last <laughs> hour hasn't proved enough. <laughs> So yeah, and and Rob hit the nail on the head because suicide, suicide Squad without the the, I wanted to like it so bad, um, because you know it it just had first of all you know like you, you got Will Smith in it as Deadshot, um, you know they they had they had a good a good cast on paper, um, you know they got Killer Croc who's one of my, um, you know like I really enjoyed I think Killer Croc was in that, um, you know he's he's an, a, a Batman villain who I enjoyed but but they had. Um, this idea and I was like, cool, they're going to, they're going to, you know, explore some, some darker stuff of DC and it, and it fell flat, you know, it just, you know, Deadshot's character arc. And I think they're replacing Will Smith, right. Um, in this yeah. next one. Yeah. Um, and putting Idris Elba, who, as far as I'm concerned, could be contractually obligated to be in every film in 2021. And I would go see it. True. Cause he is the man. He um, is. But yeah, but they're 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 just they're revamping this. You know, it's not a reboot. It's uh, they're going for standalone with, sequel. They call it. Yeah. So I, I do have a lot of promise for this. I wish the I wish the last one had been better. Um, gosh, Rob and I could get into a whole other podcast about oh, <laughs> about about oh. DC DC films and and how the mismanagement. But let's just talk about John Cena real quick. Here's what's cool. Um, this movie hasn't even come out yet, and they've pretty much greenlit a um, HBO Max series. I think it's I think it's going to be a series about the Peacemaker. So I think it's a, I think it's going to be a television program. Okay. Um, 
Okay. I, I think I think that's what they're doing. But they've already greenlit um, uh, that that's that I think it's a series with the Peacemaker. So think right, about right. Think, think about the trust they have in John Cena and the trust that they have for his at least for his character in this movie. If the movie bombs, they still feel like they might have money to make with him with the Peacemaker character, which I think is pretty cool. Well, it it would make sense that he that, that they do that with HBO because they I, I don't know it, how familiar you both are with it, but I know HBO signed this exclusive contract with Warner Brothers in that all of their 2021 films are going to be released simultaneously in the theater and on HBO Max digitally. So um, if you're a subscriber to it, then you're going to get this one. You're going to get Dune. You're going to get The Matrix Four. All of those on at home as well as in the theater if it's safe enough to go out then man that's amazing yeah i might i might i might subscribe yeah yeah <laughs> yes now's the time to get it yes, definitely but uh that's gonna about do it uh for this episode we're coming up towards the hour mark needless to say john cena maybe had a little bit of a rocky start but he's starting to solidify himself uh, in the acting scene um just like Dwayne the rock johnson um both great in the ring and, and both pretty darn good in films wouldn't you say rob oh absolutely yeah i think we're just now starting to see you know the the rise in fact he's he's starting to get into the production like we talked about rock did uh in the latter part of his his career so i think when he gets into the back end of it, he's going to have a more vested interest in the roles that he gets and, uh, and, and make some more smart choices. Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, Keith, final words from you on this episode of Mixtag. I can't wait to see what else John Cena does um, with his career because he's not afraid to take chances. He's not afraid to laugh at himself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like like that, that alone means that he could star in anything. So I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of risks he takes once this pandemic gets over and they can get back to, you know, to, to life as we know it with, uh, with cinema. Um, I, I'm, I'm excited. I, I want to see what John Cena is doing in film in 2026. Like, I just can't wait to, right. to check out, check out that crystal ball and see what kind of um, risks and adventures he's taking to just kind of do some fun stuff and make, keep us entertained. And I would want to see what John Cena would do with a beard like Keith White's, honestly. <laughs> yes, yes. I think that would elevate <laughs> career. I, I don't know about you guys, but uh, he's got that thing awesome. career, man. <laughs> but, anyway. I got, I got something on John Cena finally. John there Cena, you, you, might, you might have the bigger biceps, sir, but my beard. <laughs> Come get it. Get Come it. get it. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, that was a lot of fun, guys. I really had a blast. Uh going through john cena's film career uh tag gang if you like what you heard thank you for listening and you can share this on social media and you can also follow us on social media as well facebook twitter uh you know keith pretty much lives on twitter 24 7 even when he's sleeping his hand is still on the keyboard waiting to type something new so uh yes you can follow us there uh thank you for listening we want to thank rob rector for coming back on the show for a second time we want to have him on in the future more as well so rob thank you very much for being on here with us today absolutely thank you for having me guys always a pleasure all right and there you have it from film critic rob rector and from the wrestling encyclopedia and three time three time three time indian leg wrestling champion mr keith white i'm the cowboy jared watson thanks so much for listening we are out <laughs>